0: speak through me, so I'm just going to pray, pray one more time. Lord, just uh, pray tonight, Lord God, that you would um, speak to us, Lord God, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, through your word. Lord, uh, you are the author of truth, Lord God, and we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord God. Please bless this evening, Lord God. Edify us all, Lord God, and we just thank and praise you for your mercy and your love, Lord Jesus' name, amen. So um, tonight, oh, I'm sorry. Um, the title of the message um that i got um and i got that like the last minute it was it was so good cuz i was like how do how do how do how do i fit all this together but um so the title is whose reality are you in whose reality are you in um and certainly today you know we have plenty of realities going on um, we have blogs and debates and websites and you know tweets and everything else um we have uh, people Uh, that are non-binary you know um, deciding that they will decide what if they're a man or a woman um, that's their reality Um, we have people being uh, elevated to the highest court um, and they can't uh, can't decide what a woman is can't define that or you know they can't define when when life begins so you know um, there's really plenty of realities going on today and unfortunately it, it bleeds over into um you know the the way people think about god theology you know it 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 and it's always bled there in in this subject um you know tonight I'd like to you know kind of focus more in on um god's judgment in heaven and hell, and you know a lot of people will say, and this is an old thing you know how can how can a loving god send people to hell you know which he doesn't you know people send themselves to hell or you know, shouldn't it be temporary? Isn't, isn't uh, eternity, you know, kind of harsh? Um, you know, these are hard subjects. These are really tough, tough, tough uh, things to to come to terms with. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, I'll read a few of his quotes, but C.S. Lewis says, um, there's no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than this, if it lay in my power. But it has the full support of Scripture And especially our Lord's own words. It has always been held by Christendom. And it has the support of reason. If a game is played, it must be possible to lose it. So that was C.S. Lewis's quote. But really, the crux of my message would be, you know, before we try and go to that uh, question, we got to, you know, figure out what is our place in this creation? And what is God's place in his creation? You know, let's, let's get that straight first before we, before we go there. You know, let's not try and go there and try and figure it out with our own reason or, you know, figure it out on our terms. You know, we need to put ourselves in our place and God in his place. And then we can approach, you know, uh, certain aspects about God and what, what, how his creation works. Um, so let's talk about God's place, right? <clears throat> um, I heard another C.S. Lewis quote <laughs> last week, but it was, it was profound to me. And, and certainly it's, it's simple, and I think everybody's thought about it, but it kind of struck home for me really, really good. C.S. Lewis said, If there was ever a time when there was nothing, there would still be nothing. That makes total sense. It's, it's totally logical. If there was ever a time there was no God, no nothing, there wouldn't be anything here. It's impossible. So just us being here is testimony to a creator because you don't get something out of nothing, right? So so God is certainly the creator. He's the, you know, he's the creator. We're the stewards. We're, we're here. We're stewards. We're, you know... We have a, a once-in-a-lifetime gift. It's a it's a it's life. Um, you know, God didn't need to make us. He was totally self-sufficient. Um, he was ever-existent. You know, uh, happy. You know, uh, always. You know, not needing anything. Right. But and uh, he he created us, and before he created us, he knew that he was going to suffer to to redeem some people in order to you know. To get them to commune with him, but he nonetheless created us. So he's the creator, and he's a he's a wonderful creator, right? Um, he's also the owner of this world. You know, when we when we think about ownership, we think about, you know, uh, they can do what they want, right? Um, you know, I've I've been doing accounting for a while, and I've seen managers make mistake uh, you know like a a real big mistake in a lot of companies um you know they've been there for years and all of a sudden they think they own they think they own the place i mean literally we had one guy in arkansas we changed the logo we changed the colors you know cuz the ownership changed or whatever and he was like i'm not having this those are my colors and i'm not changing it you know needless to say he didn't last very long right um but there's you know other other managers, they start running it their own way, and, and they don't agree with, you know, the owners, so uh, there's a problem there, and and I think us as humans, we run into that same problem. We we think we own the world. We do not own the world. God owns the world, and there's, I mean, you see a lot of people trying to run this world their way, but, um, and they think they own the world, but um, usually those are people that, Have no no regard for God at all. So before we kind of look at the aspect of God in in eternity, you know, again we need to we need to look at um, you know the aspects of ourselves and God, and we're you know we're the ones that are on trial. God's not on trial. We're the ones on trial. Um, It's kind of like when Jeremiah was talking about the potter and the clay. You know, the clay doesn't tell the potter what. What's going to happen? We're the clay. You know, God's the potter. It's just a, a, a relationship, a, a, you know, a situation that um, needs to be understood before we start uh, making our own assumptions or judgments on uh, certain ways things are going to be run. Um, I wrote this down. It says, when we address the justice of God, we do well to position ourselves as creatures trying to understand the creator. Not putting God on trial, but rather seeking the truth on who he is and how we should relate to him. So we just want to approach God honestly and we want to try and relate with him, but we don't want to, you know, um, go overboard with with what we think God should be. So when we we think about this, uh, you know, subject on how to uh, think about it... um, you know, we have to look at sin. Uh, sin's part of the equation. Um, we look at the consequences of sin. Um, you know, sin is a rebellion. It's a willful rebellion against God. It's, it's um, you know, not following him. Um, you know, most people who object to sin, they also object to hell, right? They, they don't want to even think there's sin. Um, but, you know, God's going to deal with sin. He's got to deal with sin. He's, he's just, He's, he's perfectly just, and um, he has dealt with sin, and there is a way to deal with sin. Um, you, know, you can either pay for your own sin, or you can ask God's son to pay for your sin, and we'll get into that further, but um, you know, there's, we have to deal with sin because heaven will be void of sin. God's holy, and he will not commune with sin, so we have to deal with sin. But some people would say, well, why is there sin? That's unfair. You know, there shouldn't be sin in the world. They should just be, we all live and, and we go to heaven, right? Well, it, you know, there's sin because there's free will. And God gave us free will because He loves us. And He wants to have a relationship, a real relationship with us. You can't have a relationship without free will. You can't, be, you can't have robots. Um, John Lennox, he's a, he's a famous mathematician, and he, he's always debating these uh, atheists. And he said, you know, would it be really, you know, real if I pressed a button and my wife said I love you? Absolutely not. You know, um, that, that's not the way God created us. He gave us the free will, and we have the ability to choose right or wrong. Uh, we have sin or not sin. So, you know, we have sin because we have free will and we have free will because God loved us um, and he wants to have a relationship with us. Why don't we turn to Joshua 24, 15 and we can read a little bit about free will. Joshua 24, 15. And this is Joshua just saying, you know, everybody has the free will to do what they want. So in verse 15, it starts out, he says, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So certainly we have that free will. And uh, it, again, we have the ability to love, obey or reject and rebel. And we also have the ability to, to know the truth with this free will, or we can reject the truth. And, you know, another, another thing that kind of is very subtle is, you know, when we doubt, when we doubt God's word. Um, that's something that kind of creeps in. Um, I'll just read this real quick. Genesis 3.1, that's when the serpent was talking to Eve, and he, he deceived her. And he said, um, Indeed, has God said you shall not uh, eat from any tree of the garden? He's, he's sowing that doubt, and that, and again, we have that free will, and we can do with it what we want. But um, you know, we have the ability. God gives us the grace. He gives us. Um, we're going to go into everything, a list of God, what God has given us, not exhausted, but He gives us a lot to find Him and to you know to go to heaven and to have a relationship with Him. So, um, just another way to look at this. Uh, it's really a simple way to look at it, but, um, you know, it's, it's pretty profound as well. Um, you ha- we have to ask ourselves, are we in God's camp or are we not in God's camp? You know, th- that's the thing. Where's our, where's, where's our heart? What do we want? Do we want to be in God's camp or do we want to not be in God's camp? Um, the New Testament talks about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. You know, um, it, it's it's people go where they want to go. Um, and that's what's going on in the world. Um, you know, the, the folks that are going to make it to eternal punishment, they're going to walk over time after time after time after time of signs and people and messages and feelings and seeing stuff in, in nature or whatever. They're going to, you know, they're not nobody's going to have an excuse um because god god is good and he does he does talk to people and we'll go into different ways he does talk to people um but but jesus warned us you know about the road to hell um we can turn there it's matthew 7 13 and 14 matthew 7 13 and 14 and and jesus is warning us um it's talking about the narrow way and the and the straight way and the, and the uh, broad way. So verse 13, it says, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that lead on the life, and few there be that find it. So, I mean, you know, we all know, certainly I know, you know, the broad way, the easy way, is not God's way. Um, it's, you don't have to think about anything. Uh, it looks, you know, it looks fun. You you just kind of work, work off your uh, instincts or whatever. Um, you don't have to listen to your conscience. You don't have to have any self-examination. Um, you don't have to think about God. You know, you're just having fun or whatever. What, whatever, you know, um, I guess in, in some countries you're, you're listening to uh, somebody tell you to do something terrible and you just do it you know um there's no there's no struggle there it's it's real real easy right um and that's not what the lord's calling anybody to do he's uh, he's calling us to walk the straight narrow way um and it, it's actually the better way it's actually the way that is you know fulfilling it's the way that um is less harmful uh it's the way that God made us, you know, originally. And, um, you know, God in his mercy, when we are going down that wrong way, we have that fruit of unrighteousness that's, that, that, that comes about, you know. You have that, um, you know, you have that lack of peace. You have that uh, messed up life. You, you have whatever. Uh, but there's that, that unrighteousness that is, comes to fruition And that's actually God in his mercy kind of showing you, you know, you are not on the right way. Something needs to change. Um, You know, one example of this, it's kind of a a broad example, but there's a statue in front of the United Nations in New York City. And that statue is the epitome of the beast in Revelation 13 too. It's just like, it's startling how, you know, how it, how it is, and, and I just think that, you know, people, after a while, they, they're going one way, and the Lord says, okay, go, go one way, but that sin is progressive, and progressive, it gets worse, and worse, and worse, and God's always, you know, Holy Spirit's always witnessing the people saying, this is not the right way, but, you know, eventually, you, you, you wind up with, you know, statues like this in front of your place, you know, um, but again, there's always room for repentance and there's always room for one more at the cross. So, um, you know, the Lord, when he, when we talk about him as creator and um, owner, you know, he deserves our lordship. I mean, he deserves lordship over us. Um, he deserves our submission. Um, you know, that's our reasonable service as stewards, As as, you know, he gave us life, he gave us this world to live in, um, if you just think about it, it's, it's really makes sense, um, you know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear means, you know, you, you're giving him his rightful place, you're submitting to God, and you're saying, okay, you're, you're the boss, I'm reverently fearing you, and it's wisdom, you're actually happier, you're better after you do that, and, um, you know it's in His Word, um, so the Lord wants us all to to, to follow Him that way. And we got to remember God God loves us, and He wants all to be redeemed. Um, we we go to this verse all the time, Randy. You know it's First Timothy two four, and and this is about God. It says, "Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth." So God's heart is is for everybody to make it to heaven. You know. Um, and, you know, there, there will be a lot of people that make it to heaven. Um, let's go to Revelation 7, 9 and 10 and read about that. Revelation 7, 9 and 10. <clears throat> it's a great picture. It's going to be amazing. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 9, it says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne. That's a big crowd. And before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. It's going to be an amazing, amazing sight. And just remember, they, had, they were clothed with those white robes. And we'll, we'll touch base on that a little bit, um, clo- you know, a little bit in this other verse here. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, the Bible does say that not everybody's going to make it to heaven. You know, um, Reynolds did a great job of, you know, pointing something out in, in Sunday school a couple of Sundays ago. Um, you know, there's a there's a doctrine of universalism where everybody's going to somehow make it. It's, you know, um, but it's just not in the scriptures. You know, un, un, you know, just not what the Bible, God's word is saying. Um, and so let's turn to Matthew 22, 11 through 14. We'll go through that. Matthew 22, 11 through 14. This is about the wedding feast and a king, and he was going to throw a wedding feast. And the verses before that talk about, you know, he 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 went and invited a bunch of people and some people said i'm busy i'm working on my farm or i'm busy i'm doing my business uh and then some people mistreated the people inviting him and uh the king said well i want i want this thing to be full so go out in the highways and byways and 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 invite a bunch of people and a lot of people came right but here in verse 11 we'll pick it up in verse 11 we'll see that one person um, didn't make it. So, verse eleven. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw that there was a rich that there was a man which had not a wedding garment. He didn't have the wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So in that parable, um, you, had, you had a lot of people that didn't make it. You had people that were too busy. They didn't want to go. You had people that uh, mistreated the, the people who were inviting them, the prophets, basically. You know, people of false religion. And then you had this guy. He almost made it, and he didn't have a, a wedding garment on. No, he didn't have, he wasn't clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Um, and so it's a, it's a stark uh, reminder, you know, that the Lord paid it all. The Lord is the way. He, he, he gives us that white robe of righteousness, which is amazing. So, you know, he, he does that. And what, you know, let's just look at a few other things that God does for us, for, for humanity. You know, um, what does God do in order for us to know him, to commune with him, to, to be taken care of, you know, in the afterlife? Um, is it hard for people to find God? You know, um, in Acts 17, 24 through 27, <clears throat> we can go there. Acts 17, 24 through 27. This is Paul and he's on Mars Hill and he's talking to the folks about God, you know, and and these are people that were, um, you know, philosophers, they had all kind of different gods and uh, they were they were certainly searching so you know Paul Paul touches base on a lot of things in in these verses here so I'll just uh, read it um, and we can kind of go look at it real quick Um, so verse 24 uh, God that made the world and all things therein seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands he's the creator right neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything he didn't need anything but he still made us seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things he gives that to us and he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation is the key verse that they should seek the lord and if and happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So he's saying here, you know, if people are going to look for the Lord, honestly look for the Lord, he's not far from anybody. So and what kind of what guidance does God give people when, he's, when we're trying to, you know, find him? You know, certainly we're all born with a conscience, uh, you know, children, you know, um, starting real young, they know right from wrong, and that lasts until uh you know, some people sear their consciences, unfortunately, but that will last until uh, until you die, unless you sear it. So Romans I'll just read this Romans two, fourteen and fifteen, it talks about um, you know, the conscience and people knowing God through through that, just that alone. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law, are a law to themselves. So they know the law, the Gentiles do. In that, they, in, that they should, in that they show the work of the law written on their hearts. Their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So they, they know right from wrong. They, they know it. It's inherently given to us by God. Um You know, we talk about this quite a bit, but God gives nature He gives us nature to to you know show how glorious he is he he's a we could sit here and think about nature forever, literally forever, if you really think about it um, you know there's a little podcast I heard um, some scientists um, they were studying atoms, and they said that <clears throat> atoms. Um, the, you know, the preciseness of atoms are 10 to the 38th power. You know, whatever that means, right? So that's the preciseness of atoms. But God made atoms, right? So what does 10 to the 38th power look like? 10 to the 38th power is if you take the uh, continent of North America and you cover it with dimes, that's the start. Then you pile those dimes all the way up to the moon which is 239,000 miles full of dimes. And then you multiply it times a billion. That's 10 to the 38th power. So it's things like that. I mean, we're fi- scientists are finding things about nature that prove the awesomeness of God every day. I mean, they just really do. But, you know, the little stuff, the big stuff, everything is just Unbelievable. And I'll just read uh, Romans 1.20, uh, because it, it it tells about these things testifying of God, right? It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the Lord's reaching out to humanity with creation. Absolutely. Right? Another key thing he's given the world is his word, and I know we kind of glaze over that. You know, it's God's word, but if you really think about the creator of the world, he's always been. He's the owner of everything, and he writes. He he communicates to humanity in written form. In a book, a lot of pa and a lot of literature. It's just amazing. It it really is, and you know. You can say, ah, you know, you know, th- that's for you, whatever. The proof's in the pudding. You know, if, if a person's seeking the Lord and they, you know, open that Bible and they honestly say, "Lord, show me yourself in this Word," they're going to get changed. And then people who are actually Christians edify themselves. You know, with the Word, it it, it changes your thought, it changes your mood, changes changes everything. And so, you know, I I don't know of any other book that would do that, you know, Um, and and there isn't any. Um, I'm just going to, let's read Psalm 19, 7 through 11, and it just goes over a a little bit of God's word there, but it's really, you know, very beautiful uh, passage about God's word. That's Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Thank you, Lord. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. We talked about this. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, much, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So it's 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 right there in this. You know, there's so many books to go through. There's so many things to go through. Um, you know, and the Holy Spirit can illuminate that to each and every person who's who's looking. Um, The Lord also gives other Christians in this world. Um, You know, Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. You know, that's not a fun process sometimes, but, you know, certainly other Christians can help other Christians or other Christians can witness to the world the way we live. You know, if we're, you know, holding our temper at work or, you know, we're not, you know, we're not sinning some way or we, Talk about the Lord, or, or thing, anything like that. We we are truly lights in this world. Um, you know, Christians. Um, without Christians, you know, the Lord could could do it, but we're part of the equation, and it's really a, a wonderful thing. So the Lord do, does give other Christians. Here's a here's a really good one. Um, the Lord gives Himself. He gives you know the Holy Spirit. Um, John sixteen eight. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. It says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit's active right now, um, and he's convicting the world. Um, you know, some people are listening, some people aren't, right? <clears throat> but nonetheless, the Lord's at work. The Lord is definitely at work. Um, so the lastly, um, Well, no, there's two other ones. This one's a kind of a minor one, but it's one nonetheless. We do have the testimony of people who've died and come back to life, you know. And it's nothing to hang your hat on or make a doctrine about, but it is there. Um, You know, there are stories about that. Um, We we ran into a person who, a fireman. I think I told the story once, um, but I'll tell it real quick. You know, a fireman was talking to us, and um, he had uh, rescued this boy out of a pool, but the boy had died for like 30 minutes. And while he was going in the, in the ambulance, he came back to life. And so the fireman went back, and this is, I mean, you know, it was just somebody we ran into. But the fireman went back, and he, um, he was visiting the boy, and the boy said, why didn't you look under the steps for my shoes? He said, what are you talking about? He said, you were looking for my shoes. I saw you. He said, what do you mean? Where did you see me? He said, I saw you. I was right up here. You know, like he was out of his body getting ready to go somewhere, I guess. And he saw the fireman looking for his shoes. And then when he came back to life, he, he went back into his body. You know, again, that's nothing to hang your hat on. But it certainly, you know, says something that, you know, we don't just die and, you know, nothing else happens for sure. You know, so it's just another another thing. But, you know, the, the, one of the, well, actually the main thing that the Lord did for the world is he He sent his son. He sent his son Jesus into the world. Um, you know, Jesus divided history. I mean, he, he is the most famous person ever lived and will be. Um, you know, he taught with authority. He taught with simplicity. He taught with boldness. Um, his messages are profound. You know, they're they're, they're quoted by believers and non-believers alike. You know, there's no other, no other teacher like him. Um, he taught about love and obedience. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the famous ones is Matthew 22, 30, 37 through 40. I, I just love this. We can go there, Matthew 22, 37 for, through 40. <clears throat> and, you know, a lawyer asked him, um, good teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And, you know, Jesus didn't go, oh, well, we got to, you know, list all these commandments or whatever. He simplified it and he made it succinct where it's anybody can remember it. And, and but it's real and it's true. So um, verse 37, it says, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the, and the prophets. So he just summed it up right there. Just so profound and so simple, but you know, just just amazing. Um, he performed miracles. Definitely performed miracles to show that you know we need to listen to this person. And the Lord absolutely uh, claimed that he was God. You know, he in one one instance he said you know, before Abraham was, I am. <clears throat> I mean, there's no getting around that. He, you know, Abraham lived a couple hundred years ago, and he's saying he was there before Abraham. And the Jews know, knew that term, I am. They knew when he said that, he was calling himself God. <clears throat> so he's not just a prophet. He's not just a teacher. He's calling himself God, right? Um, And he, you know, he taught quite often about eternity, about heaven and hell. Um, and he's warning, you know, he warns uh, humanity that they don't want to go there, you know. Um, the person who goes to hell, they're going to f- feel the full effect of sin. Um, they're they're going to have to pay for that sin. There's one way or, you know, one way or the other to pay for it. Um, but there's going to be no constraint. Right now there's a constraint. You know, God's constraining, the Holy Spirit's constraining evil in this world Um, but that he won't be there you know God won't be there but we have to remember you know hell wasn't made for man it was made for the angels and those who rebelled Uh, Matthew 25 41 Jesus said um, when he's judging he says depart from me ye cursed uh, into the everlasting fire (coughs) Um, prepared for the devil and his angels so, you know, that, that's, that's not God's heart. He, he's not, um, you know, he's not wanting to send anybody there. He didn't create it for us. Um, and the angels are a stark reality, you know, to, to this whole situation. I mean, the angels were in God's presence. And somehow, you know, they, some of them thought that they would overthrow God. And they rebelled. And God, God, I mean, he, if you think of his position, you know, he's righteous in, 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 in getting rid of them. Because that was they had all the benefits. They had sight. They had everything. Eternity with God. And they rebelled. And, you know, we have a piece of that here. We, we know. We can see the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We can see it. It's plain as day. Um, you know, you can see the effects of sin and the effects of righteousness. We know what's right and wrong, you know? We have a piece of that, what the angels saw. And then we have Jesus that that came into the world. When, you know, um, Pilate said, you know, what must I do with this Jesus? When when they were judging him, right? Well, everybody's got to answer that question. Everybody, you know, has to answer, who is this Jesus? And um, if you really... Searching for them, you're really going to find them. That's the that's a wonderful thing about it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so there's a again, there's a, a there's a witness to all rebellious people. Um, you know, God in His mercies, trying to trying to constrain people from going where they shouldn't go. And um, there's also a witness to knowing God. Praise the Lord. We talked about this last Sunday. You know, um, first. Uh, what is it Romans 8, Romans eight sixteen? says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So we, we can actually know what kingdom we're in, which is which is an awesome thing. Um, you know, but God is holy. Heaven is not a place for the unrighteous or unholy. You know, he made a way through his uh, his son, perfect sacrifice on the cross to pay for our sins that we know about. Um, but he's not going to force people into heaven. He's not going to force people to, to accept his son. Uh, he gives us that free will. Uh, another C.S. Lewis quote. C.S. Lewis said, you know, at Judgment Day, there's going to be two groups of people. One of them's going to say, uh, say to God, thy will be done. And that's where our heart needs to be. Thy will be done. And then God's going to say to the other people, other group of people, thy will be done. Because that's what you want it. You, you didn't want to follow me. You don't want to be with me. I'm not going to force you. I mean, that's kind of the way it's it's put there. But <coughs> that's uh, it seems like that's that's the reality that we're, we're going to see that the Bible talks about. Um, he asks us to take the narrow road, which is a rightful service and the way to life here on earth. But you know, we're not called to to go around. You know figuring out who's going to make it to heaven and who's going to make it to hell. We're not, we're not called to judge this nation or this people group or whatever. I mean, God's going to judge them, and we're not. Jesus is going to judge them at the end of the age, right? Now, we need to discern discern things. We need to judge, you know, to stay away from sin and, and wrong things and things of that nature. But we don't judge people's eternity. But we, what we are called to do, we are called to tell the truth about eternity and how to make it there. You know, we're, we're not called to say, oh, that's good. He's, he, he worships God and he's a whatever, you know, uh, Buddhist or something. No, we're called to say, guess what? Jesus came to the earth to pay for, for the sins of the world. That's what we're called to do. We're called to stand up for the truth and not, you know, give in to, um, you know, everybody's going to make it. You know, uh, if they if they believe in God, because you know that's really a cruel thing to do is to to lead somebody in the wrong direction, especially people who are looking and, and are searching. That's that is un- unbelievable. I mean, if you really think about it, somebody's really looking for God, and you tell them the wrong way to go, and they go there and they spend years and decades, you know, in a wrong religion or something. It's 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 just we're called to tell the truth. You know, and Jesus spelled it out pretty good. Let's go to let's go to John ten one through ten. John 10, 1 through ten. And I think I think Reynold touched on this too the other day. But this is you know, this is the Lord talking about um, eternity and how to make it and <coughs> giving us direction. Things of that nature. I got to look it up real quick. Okay. Um, John 10. Okay. Verily, Jesus said, and this is when he says, Verily, verily, he says, Pay attention. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voices of a stranger. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they, they were which he spake unto them. They didn't understand what he was saying. So he said to them plainly. Then Jesus said unto them again, plainly, Verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to, for to steal and to kill and destroy I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly, so it 's pretty clean I mean he just lays it out there, and <coughs> we should lay it out there too it 's the loving thing to do it's not it 's not the you know wrong thing to do, it might not look nice you know at some point, but it 's still loving nonetheless so Um, In short, I'll wrap it up. In short, God wants wants to share eternity with those who give him his rightful place in their lives. But he won't force those who don't have a heart for him and his lordship. And he won't be manipulated with those who don't believe in God's justice and holiness and frankly, who reject all forms of reaching out to them. We don't know all the the ways of God. We don't know all the factors that are going into all of this creation and, and everything else, but we know enough. He's given us plenty. You know, um, the, the private doesn't know what the general's doing all the time, and we're not meant to do that, but we're given enough information here on earth to know the way plainly. Um, and so, you know, God's looking for those who, who want to follow him, and he's he's not going to force people who don't want to follow him. So, you know, God knows who is his, he's just and judges the world perfectly, and we can rest in this. So, Lord, I just thank you for your word, your truth, and your love and your grace towards us, Lord God. I just thank you for what you've done for us, Father. And I just thank you for your son Jesus making a way. In his name we pray. Amen.
1: thank the Lord for this word. I thank the Lord for, to me, it showed the the loving kindness of the Lord. who literally bends over backwards that we would come to him. I want to just read one of the first scriptures, maybe the first scripture Eric read tonight. To me, it kind of sums up this thought. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. What's the will of God? He wants all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And he knows how to save men. Salvation is of the Lord. So first of all, he's willing that all men be saved. He knows how men are to be saved. And the means of that is through faith in Jesus. And how do you reach men that are lost and in their sin that don't know God? There's none that seeks after God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that does good. How do you reach a person like that and bring them to an intimate relationship of faith in jesus christ he knows how to do it we have to trust that to the lord is there unrighteousness with god paul says god forbid he knows what he's doing he gives man a conscience like you said he gives men uh his word he gives men prophets and the witness of the holy spirit there's not one person that will ever die or has ever died that didn't have a chance, and that's some of the, the uh, arguments that people make because they don't know and they don't understand. They're not believers. A true believer wouldn't make that argument. Oh, uh, what about the the people in the jungles that have never heard and so forth? And so, so therefore, they discount the whole Bible and the whole gospel and everything and God that they don't want to. They choose not to believe in a God like that. Well, they have a free will, but God is not like that there's none no unrighteousness with god and he's big enough to reach somebody in the jungles i have to leave that with him i have to trust god for his own goodness but my conscience does bear witness someone that lives in the jungles that does not have a missionary come to them or read a bible has their conscience that they know it's wrong to steal from their neighbor they might steal so much and get so hardened in sin there comes a point that doesn't bother them anymore but there were some point it did and that would be the influence of their conscience from a holy god who determines right and wrong and what's sin and he put that when he created that individual in his image the bible says if we'll happily seek after him if we'll just he will be found though he be not far from any of us so i appreciate it it's it's not Today And and again, I'm probably in the next weeks or months going to refer a lot to this apologetics conference that I went to. Some of the things that stuck out to me just we're living in a day where people don't want to hear the truth. That sounds cliche and it sounds like, well, we've been there a long time. Well, we're really there now. People don't want to hear the truth. They don't even want to hear facts. They don't even want you could lay out a case. They could be eyewitnesses and have it on video of Jesus rising from the dead from the tomb and it would not matter because they have an evil heart of unbelief it just they don't want to know there's a delusion and it's not every man praise God if, I think if we were already there now the Lord would rapture us and we'd be out of here people are still getting saved but that's the age that's one of the characteristics of the age and the nicest most loving godly thing that you and I can do is to tell the truth to them in love, to speak the truth in love. First of all, live it yourself to where you're not a hypocrite and I'm not a hypocrite. And they say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be one. Live it yourself. Let God transform you and conform you to his image. And then by the Holy Spirit, speak the truth that there is no other way. All that try to come another way are thieves and robbers. I don't have to make it up. I don't have to invent this truth or this God, or this plan of salvation, or this gospel. I just need to walk in it, walk in the light as he is in the light. And that is not the meanest thing that you can do. That is the kindest thing. Somebody brought the gospel to you, whether it was your mom, dad, or whoever. Somebody brought it to you, and you're sitting here today born again because they did. And so we're just going to pray. Just I know that uh, you know Wednesday nights is a little... Maybe a little more pressed for time, but still, just take a few moments while he plays. Come thank God for so great salvation. Thank the Lord. Where would you be and I'd be if it weren't for him reaching out to us? You didn't start out seeking God. He came to seek you. I didn't start out to seek God. I ran from God. Even after he was seeking me, I ran from him. He, he came to seek you, and he still has the same heart, and he wants to reveal that heart through people that know him, you and me. Just take a few moments at the altar and worship the Lord and thank him.